0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Divide and Conquer. We're named as such because of our intent. What is our intent? We are a group of sport and performance psychology consultants at Fort Polk, Louisiana, and each episode we pose a question or issue related to resilience and or performance enhancement that we as a group will conquer through our individual answers, and you'll find out pretty quickly our perspectives and stances are often divided. We also fall under the Army Resilience Directorate, and you can find them on Facebook and Twitter at Army Resilience. So we hope you enjoy our takes on today's question, or topic rather, which uh, we're going to be talking about some of the triggers and consequences of overtraining and undertraining physical, mentally, and technically. And we have a little, or pretty good amount of research to work off of so far, at least from some of us who have, who have done our research. So before we jump into it, I'm going to introduce everybody. My name's Diego, still. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to keep that going. Uh, To my immediate, or immediately in front of me, I have Coach Jess. Hey, hey. And Coach Marius. John Fine. Howdy. All right. I believe, Jess, you're going to start us out.
1: Sure. Why not? And for the first time, or maybe not the first time, but I feel like, Diego, you you are usually the one bringing in all the good research, and I have some good research for us today. Coach Jess. Yeah. Game-winning shot. Here we go. Okay. When it comes to training, the first thing that... I would like to at least ground us in is talking about training in the sense of trying to get people to lessen the gap or close the gap between their abilities and what the job demands. So, a lot of times we get sent to different trainings, whether it's online, in person, conferences, you name it, to improve our skill set, our knowledge, whatnot, in order to do our jobs better. So, if I am Undertrained, what the research has shown is individuals tend to perceive the organization as not providing them with the, their, their needs being met, or they're not providing them with the tools, the equipment, the knowledge, the skills to do their job. And so there's this level of injustice that is felt. As a result, they're more likely to be demotivated. They're more likely to do less for the organization. So I'm I'm less likely to do things called organizational behavioral um, or citizenship behaviors, meaning I'm less likely to go above and beyond because I don't feel as if the organization has invested in me. And so why invest in them essentially? Now overtraining on the other end, you would assume is good. It's better than, you know, undertrained. However, something that they found with overtraining is people tend to then feel as if they are overqualified for their current position, and therefore more likely to want to be promoted. Now, that could be great if you have positions available, but if you train people or you overtrain people, then, and you don't have a position for them, they become dissatisfied knowing I'm, I'm over-skilled for this current position. And so that could lead to, again, a lot of dissatisfaction and maybe a way to prevent this would be how do i maybe in their current job so if i'm a manager or leader how do i help someone transfer their skills even in their current position so maybe giving them more responsibilities something that they could maybe meet them halfway but those are the, the couple things that i found uh, as far as at the organizational level and with individuals the potential not not necessarily triggers but the actual consequences of under and overtraining
0: So talking about, like, it's trying not to lean too much into either extreme and try to find, for as cliche as it sounds, a happy medium, so to speak. Correct. Or at least some type of competency standard that people, I guess, better matches the challenges that they typically face.
1: Correct. So that requires a lot of analysis on the part of the organization, on part of leadership to realize what is this person, what is their job responsibilities? And then can I link them with the appropriate training? And then a lot of that, there's a lot of factors there. You think about budgets, you think about time, you think about resources. Am I willing to let people go for potentially days or weeks on end to get qualified? But then also say I send them, they keep, they keep improving all their skill set. Do I have somewhere to put them to where they're being utilized to the best of their ability? And sometimes things bottleneck. Like we know in the Army, you only have so many slots, at least, for leadership. Like as you move up in the ranks, it bottlenecks. And then people get really frustrated very quickly when they feel like they don't have an outlet to display what they can do and contribute in the ways that they know that they could potentially contribute.
2: I think this hits a common theme that we have on this podcast, which is... The intentionality and being deliberate, because at an organizational level, that happy medium that you speak of is hard to do, right? It's much easier to undertrain, and it's also easy to overtrain, right? Let me just throw all these trainings at you, and you have to do them, and you become overtrained, or you don't get any trainings, and then you're undertrained. So it takes that intentionality of whether it's leadership or the organization of a whole, to do that analysis and have that level of awareness of, okay, maybe some people need a little bit more. Some people need a little less. And that's very that can be very difficult. It takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of awareness to do that.
0: So if that's not happening at an organizational, structural level, I wonder if it's, maybe we're getting off into the weeds, but I just think it's... Kind of interesting to think about. Is there like a lack of awareness due to incompetence, maliciousness? I mean, if, if there's no intentionality behind trying to find the right amount of training to provide the, the people who need the training, then there's probably a lack of intentionality of what is the mechanism at play behind not providing enough uh, training so that people are under-trained? If that deliberateness is not happening in terms of providing the trainings, is there an intention intentionality or deliberateness that is behind under training too? Which I doubt it because it just seems like a lack of deliberateness and intentionality is going to either end up
2: under training or overtraining, if that makes sense. <laughs> I think so too. I, I understand. The first things that come to mind for me is prioritization and understanding what is needed in the short term versus long term and so when you ask that question in that sense it makes me think of situations that we hear from soldiers or just an army as an organization of trouble finding that white space right because there's so many things blocked out that they need to do and so it can be hard to find that that space. So it's not it's not malicious. It is not um, intentionally made so that people are under trained, but those hard decisions of what are our priorities, what is needed right now uh, versus maybe something that can be pushed further on and then leads to situations where maybe and then all of a sudden you've become aware as an organization of, oh no, we have people that are under-trained. But that is just my own speculation.
1: Maybe to play off of this, I wonder, so the Army, from what I've heard, there's there's too many, or there are too many trainings, too much training for the calendar year. Like there's more training in a calendar year than there are days. I don't know if that's true. I've heard it by more than one person, so I'm assuming there's something to that. But I, I might argue that, Most soldiers are, in fact, under-trained, even though there is a quantity of training. I don't know about the quality of training. So you could even argue that the under-training, there needs to be quality. It's not just, let's throw training at people, because then it's maybe at an organizational level, yes, there have to push out training, like compliance training, ethics training, But then also if you yourself have trainings you want to go to that adds up and then also if your leadership or your manager is providing training or thinks you need to do these trainings before you know it you're saturated and then there's less meaning behind the trainings itself and trying to figure out it's not just a number but am i actually improving my skill set to help me with the demands of my job
3: and then i think to a point of that like you said there's so many trainings that are happening And there's only so much white space in the calendar year. And then I haven't been here long, but from what I've heard in my short time here, that they end up trying to jam a bunch of trainings in that last week of the calendar year to try and check all the boxes. And so that again would, to me at least say that when they try and get all that quantity in the quality may go away as well. And that would lead to like them having all these trainings in one week not having that deliberate touch, like you were saying, Marius, about having those trainings. They're just going to one training. They got another one tomorrow. They got another one the next day. And they're not getting that deliberate deliberate sense of what those trainings are meant to do. Okay.
2: <laughs> so I know that what came to mind is maybe more at the individual level. So we've been talking about organization as a whole. But in thinking about the definition that you gave, Jess, of under training, it's not having the training for the current job that you're at. And so I think that's where some of the responsibility can shift to the individual of making sure that they feel competent and they have the training to do the job that they're currently at and creating priorities around that, right? Because we do want to have training that helps us progress and go towards our goals, but at the same time, we also need to make sure that we are fully trained up and competent in what we are doing now, so that we could get to that progression later on. And so I, that also speaks to the the quality versus quantity, right? Just because you've done the quantity needed that is required by your job, doesn't mean that it's been to the quality that has helped you do the job that's required so maybe you checked all the boxes necessary for you and your job but if you still feel like there's a gap between what you know and what you're asked to do there's uh, there's a difference there then maybe you as an individual need to seek out more training so that you'd feel competent and prepared to do what you need to do
1: then follow up for that response marius and this is to everyone if the responsibility then becomes on the individual which i agree there is a lot of responsibility realizing do i have the tool skill set abilities needed for this current job i have to be aware of that but how much control at least let's think about the army how much control and options do soldiers have available to them regarding choosing their own training? Do we have options? Do we know what our options are? Is it quality options? How do I go about really deciding what's best for me if I were a soldier? Like, how would I know of all of the opportunities out there? Like, what would be the indicators of quality training?
0: I think... There's something to be said. Well, there's two things that are kind of concurrently running in my head right now. One of them being uh, the meaningfulness, the meaning behind work, and how that comes into play, particularly if there is limited options for quality training, or if that quality training is available, but needs to be sought after in a way that's not as convenient. And if it's not that convenient, then that's where the meaning comes in. Uh, I was looking at research earlier. A lot of people tend to confuse meaning and meaningfulness of work together, but there's really two separate ways to def- to define those two terms. Uh, finding the meaningfulness of work typically signifies how much of an impact or significance are you placing on your work. So how much do you, I don't want to say value it, because that kind, of kind of goes into the other definition, but this one is more of how much weight are you putting on your work to affect the rest of your life versus finding meaning of work. That speaks a bit more of how do you see it in terms of the function and value within your life? So functionally, is work there to improve you as a person? Is it there to provide you a paycheck? Is it there because it's something to do? And the value aspect of it is, does that function that you identify align with what's being told to you top down? So if, you know, if, if, if a, a place organization that hires people knows that they're a stepping stone for a lot of people, they might try to either lean hard against it or lean hard into it. And if they lean hard into it, then you'll say, you know what, this is a place for you to develop personally. And you know, if it's a short time, then it's a short time. But while you're here, you might as well make the most of it. Ideally that's probably what most companies want to push out, or most most organizations, but does that align with the individual the individual's prescribed meaning of their job? It's not necessarily always gonna be the case. I think that's almost impossible to to some extent to to align completely just by virtue of of an organization having more than one employee and all the employees being separate human beings and growing up with separate experiences. Anyway, going back to to the training aspect, there's something to say in terms of what the institution as a whole and what the, the leaders in the institution are trying to push down in terms of values and meaning versus what that individual is perceiving, what the institution is putting out. And what they what that individual truly takes as what they value, what they truly find the meaning and the meaningfulness of their work, because I think all that stuff, of course, so many factors to to play a role. But I think that could drastically impact the way people view a lot of these trainings, especially if there are a ton to accomplish within a calendar year or fiscal year, what have you.
2: So that makes me think of the practical application of that. (laughs) And this might not speak maybe to the weight of meaning and meaningfulness, but I, I really liked that piece that you said about, you know, what's coming top down from the company and then what's being perceived. And so to tie that to Jess's question of how do we know that, we've received the quality of training that we need for our job made me think of okay you you need to have an understanding of what the demands of your job are whether what are the requirements what are you asked to do what are the skills necessary but i really like that piece because it made me think that that could be having a conversation with your leadership to say what like what am i expected to know based off of the trainings that we have and then you can compare that to what you feel like you know or what you know from the trainings that you've done and then compare and contrast that list and it's tough because you might have to admit that hey i didn't i don't feel like i got that from this training but that will show you where a gap might exist and then that's an opportunity where you can either seek out more training or have a conversation with leadership of how do I bridge this gap or I don't feel like I know how to do this so is there someone that can help me help teach this to me something like that so that's how I'm kind of I mean this is all fascinating stuff but it's this is how I'm trying to wrap my head around it in in a practical sense of if there was a soldier that feels like hey I've done all these trainings and yet I still don't feel quite prepared to do what I know I might be asked to do So that they could tangibly start bridging that gap and attacking that.
3: And I think, and even in a, uh, hoping that there's an ideal leadership scenario there. If someone is able to come up and say, hey, you know, this training, I feel like I was missing something out of it, right? And they have to show that vulnerability to their leadership at that point. Maybe that could even be a red flag for their leadership to say, okay, they didn't get out, they didn't get something out of this are there others that feel the same way how can we tweak this training so it is more relevant to their job title to their whatever their job description is and make it a more effective training so they don't they, they the leaders help fill that gap as well and that's a
2: that that can be a call to leaders like if a leader is listening to this don't i would suggest don't wait for people to come to you and say hey i feel like there's a gap it can be a good Debrief or an AAR after a training of saying, Hey, you know, from my understanding, this is what you were supposed to get out of this. Do you feel like that matches? Because ultimately, as a leader, you will be responsible for those people being able to do those things. And if they can't, it'll probably come down on you more so than it does on that individual. So I think that's a really good point, John, of like leaders can be proactive in that too of trying to follow up with those individuals and saying, do you feel like you're overtrained? Do you feel like you're under And hopefully that can keep passing up.
1: I like what you said right there, Marius, of the leadership being able to
3: leadership being able
1: to ask those questions, prompting your people, your team to give you feedback on was that effective for you? Um, but then even long term making sure that you're doing that follow up. W- you know, not just the day after. You might have those like warm, fuzzy feelings from training. It was awesome. I enjoyed myself. But if the then training did not transfer to the job and then stay, may, be maintained, be retained over time, then again, that could be an indicator that maybe training was actually ineffective. It didn't withstand the test of time. And so making sure that that training you, if you follow up that same question, so hey, are you still getting out what you need it six months down the road, a year down the road? Then, in fact, yes, I think we were on the right track. Versus maybe having to tweak some things to ensure that longevity is there.
3: I like that point of the training withholding the, or withstanding the test of time, because the training might have been effective years ago, months ago, even. But you know, as things develop, as things change. I think it is important for the leadership to have that after action review as well to is this still effective? Is this still being taught to a point that they are competent at their jobs? This is a
2: shameless plug for the trainings that we do here at R2 (laughs) Performance Center. We always do one of those. However, it just made me think as an instructor. So Jess and I did a training and it was loosely tied to motivation at work. And we felt like it went very well. But as an instructor, I would love to get feedback six months down the road and say, hey, you know, we felt great. We were really motivated for a couple weeks after, but they're not so motivated anymore now. As an instructor, I'm like, great, that's phenomenal feedback. Let's figure out what we can do differently in that training so that hopefully that effect lasts longer. Right. And so that's something else to think about what. You know, maybe I don't know where your trainings are coming from. But if it's coming from the R2 Performance Center, then those are things that help us become even better as instructors, become better at the trainings that we deliver because we're getting that feedback. But in order to get that feedback, leadership has to be thinking about those things following up month down the road, two months down the road, half a year, year. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that we are on
0: multiple uh, platforms now, on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Radio Public, Breaker, uh, Pocket Casts, and YouTube, as yeah, like always. Uh, So with that said, we hope to, to get some comments or questions from you all, help us inform future episode directions. But besides that, hope you all have a good, great time. Bye-bye.
1: Ciao.